Now we're going to look at Exodus 5 and 6. So I'm going to catch you up just a little bit because we didn't read the very end of chapter 4. But what happens is Moses and Aaron go to Egypt. They talk to the Israelites about what God has told them, which is that they're there to free them out of slavery. So the things that God said at the bush, he tells, they tell the Israelites, the leaders of the Israelites. And then from there we pick it up in Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. You ready? So this is what it says. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and will not let Israel go. Verses 3 and 4 say this, Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. Or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Israel said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. So they go and meet with the Pharaoh and say, hey, will you please let Israel go? Let them go to the wilderness. Let them have a festival for God. Let them sacrifice things for him. Let them worship him in the wilderness. Let all of Israel go. And they are met with an answer of no. Pharaoh says no. Who is this God you're talking about? And one thing to know about Pharaoh is he thought of himself as God. So he's like, what is this God you're talking about? No. And why are you distracting from everyone's work? Get back to work. So this is what happened after they had that interaction with with Pharaoh. Pharaoh not only shuts them down and says no, he also takes this out on the Israelites. So he goes to the overseers of all the work and he's like, listen, don't give the Israelites any more supplies to make bricks. But they still have to make the same number of bricks. So he's making them do more work more than what they were already doing, because of what Aaron and Moses did by talking to Pharaoh. And so they're, they're being punished for this. So it's almost like if, let's just say your mom or your dad went and talked to your teacher at school, and they're like, listen, Billy's really struggling in algebra, okay? And we need you to lighten up on the homework. Can you just lighten up on the homework? Like, just a little. It's, can, you, can you ease up on that? And the teacher gets super offended and is like, oh, he's having a hard time in algebra. You want me to lighten up on the work? Okay, well, instead of that, because he's struggling, I think the best way to help him is going to be to give him five times the work. Five times the homework. And so I'm going to make him do all this work to continue to do well in my class. If he doesn't turn in the work, we're going to punish him for it. So it's a little bit like that. Like it's, it's a very unfair situation that the Israelites find themselves in. Not only are they in slavery, which is not cool, but now the slavery is even harder because Moses and Aaron have asked for them to be free because God said to. So this is where we pick up the rest of the story. And you look at Exodus chapter 5. Verses 19, 20, and 21, it says the Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. 
When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, May the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So Moses and Aaron, they go and do what God asks, right? They went and told Pharaoh, hey, free God's people. Pharaoh says no. So they're met with opposition. It doesn't go well. Not only that, but then the Israelites who already know Moses and Aaron are there to try to free them and what God said... And they know they've talked to Pharaoh. Now they have more work than they've ever had before. Now they're upset at Aaron and Moses for coming and doing what God told them to do. So if you're Aaron and Moses, and you're doing just what the burning bush told you, right? God told you to do this thing. You resisted, you resisted, you resisted. Finally, you did it. You're obedient. You did what God called you to do. As soon as you did it, you're met with opposition. Things don't go well. Have you ever had this happen in your life? Like You're like, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to do. I'm being nice to this person. I'm being generous right now. I'm being gracious. And when you do the right thing, it doesn't go well. It isn't received well. You don't get the reaction you thought you would get, right? Have you ever had this happen? I feel like this happens all the time. And what happens to you when you do the right thing and then you're met with a negative reaction? Are you discouraged? Like, do you want to just keep doing the right thing now? Like, hey, that went terribly. I'm going to keep doing this. Yay for pain and suffering. I love it. No one does that. No one's like, yes, this went horribly. I'm going to keep doing it. But this is what's happening to Moses and Aaron. It's like, hey, they were supposed to do this thing. God called them to. They did it. And then it goes bad. Like, not just in one way, but like two different ways. It's going bad. The people they're there to free are mad at them. I feel like there's been moments um, with my boys. So six, four, and two. I've told you about these, these guys before, right? So there's little moments with them all the time. And it's super frustrating when things like this happen, okay? Literally today, my youngest son, Everest, like the mountain, Everest, um, he is like having a tantrum, like meltdown. He had a, today was a school day. He goes to school two days a week and he didn't get a nap. It's late in the day. He's so tired, but everything is wrong. Like, have you ever felt like that? Like everything's wrong. It could be your favorite ice cream in front of you, but you're like, it's not in my favorite bowl. I hate it. Ah! And you just throw it. Not, not that you've ever done that. <laughs> but this is how he's being about everything. So I put him in his seat and I do everything like I normally do, fasten the seatbelt, tighten it, all that stuff. And immediately before I've even tightened it or buckled the last buckle, it's too tight. I hate it. And he just starts freaking out like a poltergeist. Like he's going nuts. And I'm like, dude, calm down. It's not even tight yet. Like, why are you saying it's too tight? I haven't even tightened it yet. No, I hate it. So I laid hands on him. I said, in Jesus' name. No, um, I didn't do that. Uh, that was later. I did it later. Um, but I'm just like, dude, I, it's not tight. I don't know why you're freaking out. Calm down. I'm trying to reason with a two-year-old, which doesn't ever go well. So eventually I'm just like, okay, it's not tight, but it's about to be. I have to tighten you. We have to go in the car. We're, we're leaving. I can't leave you loose or else 
they'll arrest me and take you away from me. Okay, so um, I'm going to tighten this now. That's too tight. Okay, what? I'm like, what's wrong, son? What do you need? He says, oh, windows down. Okay, I'll put the windows down. I put the window down. He's like, ah, it's too cold. I'm like, okay, I'll roll him back up. He's like, yeah, I want the window down. I'm like, okay, the window's down. It was like this the whole way home. So finally, after the window fiasco, I just quit. Like, I'm like, he's going to keep doing this back and forth. So I just stopped messing with the windows. I'm like, he's going to cry either way, so I'm just going to leave it. But then the crying starts to get to a point where it starts to feel like it's burrowing into my brain. And I don't like it. So I'm like, I'm going to turn on some music. So I turn on music, and as soon as he hears music, he looks at the radio and goes, And I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, I don't want music. So I'm like, buddy, I don't like crying. So I'm going to listen to music. And he just keeps yelling, no! I promise he's not always like this. He's actually very pleasant and very sweet, usually. However, today was not his best moment. So we, we get home. I calmed him down the last two minutes. Of, I'm not kidding. The last two minutes. We're almost home. I'm like, buddy, do you just want my hand? He's like, no! I'm like, okay, fine. He's like, no, I want your hand! Okay, so finally I hold his hand and he calms down. We get in the house. And I set him on the couch, and he's, he's like, sees his Legos. He starts playing with his Legos. He's, like, turning normal again. And I'm like, okay, maybe my son's back. And we, I turn on a, a show for him, and I start working on lunch. And then it's time to go pick up his, son, his brothers from school. And, he, and I'm like, okay, buddy, I've got to go back to work. And... Mommy's got to go get your brother, so you ready to go get in the car with Mommy? <laughs> you can guess what happened. No! Like, he was totally fine, and then all of a sudden, he's like a dead fish. And he's just screaming. And I'm like, buddy, Mommy's got fruit snacks. <laughs> like, starting to try to bribe him, whatever we can do. And he's just like, no! And then his head started spinning around. And so I was like, April, my wife, I'm like, April, just, just go get the boys. I'm going to go put him down for a nap. He's obviously needing some sleep. And so I go, number one, I pick him up off the ground. He's just, Aah! I pick him up, and he's still yelling. Aah! And I'm like, do you want to go with Mommy? No! Aah! I'm like, okay. So I start walking up the stairs. I'm like, you need to take a nap. It went to another level when I said that. When I said, it's time for a nap, he said, <gasps> like, he threw himself out in my arms and just like high pitched, like even worse than before. And I'm just like, ooh, so do you want to go with mommy? No. Do you want to take a nap? Ah! I'm like, what in the world is happening in my world right now? So finally, I get him upstairs. He's screaming in my ears the whole way. 
I lay him down on his bed, and he literally is on the bed just going, like flopping around, going crazy. I'm like, buddy, sleep is good. And all of this is not. So stop. So I close his blinds. I turn on his music. I turn off the lights. And I'm like, you want me to lay with you? No! And then he's yelling the whole time. So I'm not going to just keep yelling, but he's yelling this whole time, okay? No! Okay, well, I'm going to leave, and you've got to take a nap. And as soon as he sees me take a step towards the door, I'll, I'll, uh, immediately his eyes just go, Daddy, no! And I'm like, buddy, you're just yelling and flopping around like a fish. You have to take a nap. I'll lay with you if you'll calm down. Daddy, no! Daddy, no! Daddy, no! Okay, so I'll come lay with you. I take a step towards him. He starts yelling more just because he's upset. And then I'm like, okay, you're still yelling, so I'm going to leave. I take a step away. He's like, Daddy, no! My goodness. Eventually, I just leave and close the door. I say, I love you, buddy. Sleep good. And then he's still yelling, freaking out in the room. I close the door. I walk downstairs. All I hear from downstairs upstairs is... Daddy, let me out! Like for 15 minutes, that's all I hear. What is the point of this story? Well, the point is I'm trying to help my son. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to be a good dad. I'm even trying to be nice in the process. Everything in me wants to yell at him back. Like, I just want to be like, no! <laughs> But I don't. So I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to be gracious. I'm trying to be loving. I'm trying to be, like, supportive. And understanding and all those things. But... I'm being met with resistance every turn. Negative reaction. Everything I do is just not right. It's just not going to work. And so, opportunity for discouragement is all over. Not just in my situation, but for all of us. Like, that happens to all of us. We try to do the right thing. We're met with opposition. Somebody doesn't react positively. Or they thought we meant something else when we said that thing. Or we were only nice because we were trying to do something else. And look good in front of somebody else. Or we do something good, but we didn't do this other good thing. And so we get in trouble for doing the good thing because we didn't do the other thing that's supposed to be better than that thing. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we do. But specifically, there's things that God asks us to do, right? And we do them. Either we read this is a specific thing God wants us to do, so we do it. Or we just feel God leading us to do something nice for someone or to say something to someone. And it just doesn't go the way we think. And it's not as awesome as we hoped. And this is exactly where Moses and Aaron find themselves. Everybody's mad at them. Everybody's upset at them. Everyone's saying no to them. But yet God is saying yes, do this thing. This is what you need to go do. So what do they do? How do they respond to this? Well, in verse 1 of chapter 6, or before we even get to that, there's the very end of chapter 5. And so G, uh, Moses actually goes back to God, and he, he talks to him. And he's like, 
Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Talking about Israel. Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. So Moses was told that God was going to do what to the Israelites? Rescue them, free them, right? And he goes, he says to free the Israelites, and instead of freeing them, they're met with more work to do. And so now Moses is talking to God, and he's like, hey, um, ever since I've went and talked to Pharaoh, the people are going through more hard stuff than they did before, and you haven't rescued your people at all. Have you ever felt this way towards God? Like, man, I'm supposed to be doing this thing, or I did this thing, and it was supposed to go a certain way, and now you're not doing any of what you said you were going to do. Well, this is how Moses feels. And this is what he says to him. Now, here's what God says back to Moses in the first verse of chapter 6 of Exodus. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. So, God meets Moses' response in his venting and his doubt of God's plan and him rescuing Egypt or Israel out of Egypt with a continuation of his promise. No, 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 I'm going to free them. And because of what Pharaoh said to you, I'm going to outstretch my mighty hand and I'm going to do some things that's going to cause him to release Israel. So God's not taken back. He's not like caught off guard. He knew this was how it was going to go. He knew Pharaoh was going to say no. And he's just been asking Moses to be obedient, right? To just do what I'm asking you to do. Go talk to Pharaoh. Tell him what I've said. And keep telling him what I'm going to tell you. And eventually Israel's going to be freed. It just didn't happen on the timetable that Moses thought. I've totally been like that before. I've been like, okay, God wants me to do this thing. It's going to go exactly like this. It's going to go about this long. It's going to take about this much time. I'm going to pray this. It's going to take about this long for this prayer to be answered. We're, God's not on our timetable, right? We are on God's timetable. But we get that mixed up in our heads sometimes. Moses has gotten the timetable mixed up. He's on his time frame. He's like, oh, this is going to happen quick. I'm not a good speaker. I've said what I needed to say. God's going to rescue him quick so I don't have to keep speaking. But that's not what God does. This is going to take a little bit longer. So then you skip down to verses 6, 7, and 8 of Exodus 6. And this is what God continues to say. So he says to Moses one thing, and now he's saying, Tell the Israelites this. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. The yoke would be the burden that's been put on them. The yoke is the thing that gets put on like a horse or a bull or an ox or something like that to pull a plow. So that's... What he's saying, they're going to be freed from the thing that the Egyptians have put on them. And I will free you from bringing slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with my mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. So, 
you skip down to the next verse. Moses reports this to the Israelites, but they didn't listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. So God says, hey, go tell, go tell the Israelites this. And basically what he's telling the Israelites is, remember who I am. Remember me. I'm God. I'm the God of your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I'm the God who is going to free you. I can do anything. I'm the Lord. So he's reminding Israel of this. Moses goes and tells them, but they can't even hear it. They're not even listening because they're discouraged of, because of the stuff that Pharaoh's making them do now. Have you ever felt like that before? Like, because you're discouraged from trying to do the right thing, you can't even hear whether it's God or someone else trying to tell you the right thing to continue to do. You're just like, I can't even hear that. Ah. Because you're discouraged, you're mad, you're upset, you're hurt. Whatever the feeling is you have, you're like, I can't even hear that. My son couldn't hear a word I said today because he was upset. Like he was mad, he was tired, he was frustrated. So he couldn't hear anything I'm saying. When I'm saying, buddy, you need to sleep, that's why you're so upset. He's not hearing any of that. He's just mad, he's tired, he's frustrated, and he's upset. So Israel's like that. We get like that. We get discouraged. We don't hear anything. We don't hear what's being said to us, what's being encouraged for us to do, the right thing to do. Sometimes we don't even hear logic, like the thing that makes the most sense to do. We don't even hear that. Because we're upset that something hasn't gone our way or the way we thought it would go. So then this is what the Lord says to Moses after the Israelites are just having none of it. They're not listening to anything. And this is Exodus 6, 10 through 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of, out, of, out of his country. But Moses said to the Lord, If the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me, since I speak with faltering lips? All right, what's happening again? Moses is starting to get insecure and fearful again, right? He's given God another excuse of, wait, well, wait a second. Um, so... It's not only the Israelites that are discouraged. Who else is discouraged right now? Moses, God's man, the person that God's called out, the one he said, hey, you're going to be the one to free Israel. You're the one who's going to, you're going to be the person that does the things I'm asking. You're going to be my servant. You're going to be my spokesperson. You're going to be the person that I use. He's getting discouraged. And so he's like questioning God's plan again. He's going back to the, the insecurity of I don't speak well. And he's questioning God again. So then you keep reading. And then this is what God says back to Moses after he questions him again and goes back to his insecurity again. Now then the Lord spoke to Moses in verse 28. In Egypt, he said to him, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you. But Moses said to the Lord, since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? So... This sounds like the same exact thing we just read, right? But it's not. This is several verses down. So God again talks to Moses and says, okay, listen. His response is just a little bit different. He leads with, I am the Lord. So not only did he remind Israel of who he is, but who else is he reminding? Pharaoh. Pharaoh. No, not Pharaoh. Sorry. Moses. Yeah. I just went along with what you said. That's that's not right. Uh, Moses. He's saying, Moses, I'm the Lord. Remember who I am, who's talking to you. 
It's literally I am. Y'all remember that? Where he named himself I am? You get what I'm saying? Okay, so I'm talking to you. It's the Lord. It's God. Now go tell the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, everything I tell you. The same exact thing he said at the burning bush. He's saying it again. The same exact thing that Moses responded with that Moses is saying again. And he goes back to the same thing with his faltering lips. Like, I don't speak well. But the last time he responded, it wasn't just that I don't speak well. It was that the Israelites don't listen to me. So, and they're discouraged, and he added more to it. Now he's stripped it back down. It's just the fact that I don't speak well again. So here's what God says back to that, and this is where we're going to end it for tonight. This is Exodus chapter 7, verses 1 through 2. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. You skip down a few verses, and this is what it says in verse 6. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. So God again comes back, reminding them who he is, encouraging him in that he is going to be like God in the sense that that's how Pharaoh is going to view him in that he is powerful. And that Aaron is like his prophet, his mouthpiece, the one speaking for him. So he's like, listen, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to do this through you. He continues to encourage Moses. Moses needs a lot of encouragement in this, in this job, in this task. It's a big job. And he's been discouraged. So God's like, this is who I am. This is what I promised you. You can do it. And ultimately, Moses and Aaron, they do it. Next week, we're going to get into what that looked like. What happened after they finally did it. They, they followed the plan. They were obedient to what God called them to. But for tonight, I think there's a lot of stuff that we can take away just for us for right now. So, doing what God asks is not always easy. It wasn't easy for Moses and Aaron. It's not always easy for us. God says to love your enemy. That's not easy. God says to be generous and be happy about it. That's not always easy. God says to serve everyone. That's definitely not always easy. God says to love him with everything we've got every single moment of every single day. That's not always easy. Like what God's asking of us isn't always easy. And sometimes it's harder. It's even harder than what we were doing. But it's not a question of if it's easier or harder. It's a question of if it's better. Right? Is this the best thing I could be doing in my life? Because the thing God calls us to is always the best thing. Because that's an easy one to ask, right? So I do, we just went through if it's harder or if it's easy, right? Let's just go back to the love your enemy. Is that hard or easy? Well, that's hard. Is it better to love your enemy or to hate your enemy? Yeah, I love them. That's like an easy, these are easy questions. So the harder thing is the better thing. And it goes the same all the way down the line. I could keep throwing things out at you. Is it better to serve people or not serve people? It's better to serve people. Is it better to be generous or not generous to be generous? I mean, I can keep going down the line. That's, it's always the better thing, even though it's the harder thing a lot of times. 
And a lot of times you won't get the reaction you think you're going to get or that you want to get. Or that you thought God was saying you were going to get. And you can get discouraged. And you can start to question and you can start to doubt God. And you can start to wonder, like, am I, is this the right thing? Is this worth it? I don't even know. Is this Christianity following Jesus thing really worth it? Because it isn't always easy. But it is so much better. So much better. Than you just following whatever your feelings are saying. Or whatever you want to do. Or what everyone else is saying to do. To follow Jesus is the best possible thing we could do. So when we face discouragement in following him. When we face opposition to following him, how do we combat that? Well, the main defense to doubt and discouragement that we see from this story from from Moses and Aaron is remembering who God is and what he's called you to. What his promises are. Like this is the biggest defense you can have for discouragement when it comes to following after God. Doing the things Jesus has led us to do. So when you're starting to feel down, remember who God is. That's the thing he keeps coming back to with Moses and Aaron and the Israelites, right? I'm the Lord. I'm God. I can do anything. I'm so much bigger than the problem you're having right now. I'm so much bigger than the circumstance you're in right now. I'm so much more powerful than the thing that you feel like has control of your life right now. I'm bigger than all that stuff. So remember who God is. Then remember what he said. What he called you to. What he said is true about himself and about you. If he said to love your enemy, and you start to question if that's really the right thing, but you know God said it, and you know God always says the best things, then you can just go back to what he said to know that that's still true, even though you don't feel like it is because you're not getting the response you wanted. Does that make sense? So remember what he said and when you remember who he is, those are some of the best, biggest like tools and defenses you're going to have when you get discouraged, when you're following Jesus. God continues to do that. And here's why we do that. Here's why God continues to do that for Moses and Aaron. It's because he never changes or lies. So we can always trust and follow God. He's never going to change. He is the same God now as he was 2,000 years ago, as he was 10,000 years ago, as he was when he was creating the planet that we're on right now. It's the same God. He is no different. And so when he says something, he does not lie. So for him to say, hey, Moses, we're going to free Egypt. You're going to do it. And I'm going to do it through you. Moses might doubt because he hits opposition. He hits bumps in the road. He gets uh, responses that he didn't really want. But as we're going to see at the end of this story, God never lied about that. He fulfills every promise always. If you were to do a study through the Bible, all 66 books of the Bible, every single word of it, every promise that gets made, you could look at if those promises that could be fulfilled were fulfilled, and every single one of them were. Some of them have yet to be fulfilled because they're at the end of the time that we're on now. 
But God has never lied. In the history of history, God's never lied. So I don't know if tonight, if you feel discouraged, I don't know if you feel like, man, I've been trying to be the person God's called me to be. I've been trying to follow Jesus. I've been trying to do the right thing. And it's just hard, man. Mom and dad aren't supporting it. My friends aren't supporting it. I got people that are like hating on me for even thinking about Jesus and about reading my Bible and about praying. Like I get made fun of for this stuff. If that's you, if you've felt discouraged about that lately or you've felt discouraged about that in the past or something happens in the future where you feel like you're just hitting walls every time you try to do the thing God's called you to do, remember who he is. Remember he's bigger than that thing. He's bigger than the discouragement. He's bigger than the reaction. And what he called you to, the things he said to you are always true. Because God doesn't lie. God always has the best for you. He always loves you. These are things you can trust and know. And so in those moments of discouragement, those moments you're down, think of this great God. Remember our God who loves us, our God who gave us Jesus, our God who saves us, who saves the Israelites that we're going to read about in the next couple weeks. Think about him. And in that you'll find courage. You'll find encouragement. You'll find strength. Because those are the things that you find in him. And then those reactions to you doing what he's called you to do won't matter as much. It won't discourage you as much. It won't get you down as much. Because your focus isn't on their reaction. Your focus is on the God who called you to do the thing you're called to do. And then whatever the reaction is, is on God, not on you. So that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. Is that we would always be looking to God when we're following him. We wouldn't be looking to the reaction. We wouldn't be looking to the thing that comes against what we're trying to do. We would just look to him. We would trust what he's called him, what he's called us to. We would do it because we trust and we have faith in him. We know he's good. We know he loves us. And we know he doesn't lie.